Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Giants Croncast a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants. Featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. Well, as we spotlighted, Doug, the Giants playing four-game series in Cincinnati hasn't always been a nightmare. And I would say that this has been a pretty fun series, all things considered. As today, the Giants will try to go for a series win. That They have been very competitive in these games when usually when we think of the Giants playing the Reds at all, regardless of location, it's like, ah, here we go. Somehow the Reds are going to make the Giants look like toddlers out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've been, they've been good. They've been that uh, Tuesday game in particular was great. Um, it was just this back and forth and back and forth and maybe not great if you like pitching admittedly, but just the way the giants kept scoring, the reds kept responding. It was kind of tense the whole way through. Wilmer Flores had a couple homers. Um, and it was a really fun game. Like you can't really ask for much more. I don't want every game to be like that. I, I do treasure the, the, you know, two nothing wins, but you know, it's the kind of thing that you watch. You're like, all right, yeah, let's do it. It was, he tied some Bonds record about total bases in two games, in a two-game span. That was cool. That's right. No one had Wilmer Flores. Bonds in 2002. There yeah. we go. Barry Bonds, <laughs> Wilmer Flores. I've always associated them together in my mind. <laughs> two iconic giants with very similar power. You know, something was going on in Major League Baseball on Tuesday night, though. So uh, the Giants weren't the only team to have a massive uh, scoring barrage or be in a game with a lot of runs scored. 
they won 11 to 10 on Tuesday night. The Dodgers scored 10 runs against the Orioles. The Guardians scored 10 runs against the Pirates. The Padres scored nine runs against the Blue Jays. Uh, I should have mentioned that those three that I just rattled off, these are like lopsided wins. And then the Mets edged out the White Sox 11 to 10. The D-backs beat the Braves 16 to 13. Then the Cubs demolished the Nationals, who the Giants play next, 17 to 3. And the Royals beat the Tigers 11 to 10. And then the Twins beat the Mariners 10 to 3. So some sort of weird heat envelope was going on across the country (laughs) because that's a lot of runs score. I would like to apologize to everyone for the phrase I'm about to coin. It was a polar score text. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, Doug. (laughs) Children might accidentally be listening to this. They're not prepared for that level of punnery. Again, I'm very sorry to everyone out there listening. I won't listen to this episode because I can't bear to hear myself say that. Again, I'm very sorry. But thank you for giving us an episode title. Those can be tricky. And uh, now I have one. So thank you. (laughs) Polar score text aside, Doug. We talked about the Giants being competitive in the series. Let's the big scoring game came after they finished off the game from the night before. And what wound up happening is that Camilo Duvall saved both both games on Tuesday. And he looked really impressive in both of them. He was maybe a little bit shaky at the beginning of the second game, but, you know, it was his second time throwing 100 miles an hour in a baseball game in the same day. So that's to be expected. But he came in and, you know, you you would be forgiven for thinking that he might be a little bit off. You know, he's already thrown his inning. It's probably pretty hard on your arm to throw as hard as he throws with the kind of stuff he has. And he came in and and he was better than the Reds in both games. So once again, I mean, Camilo Duvall is very quickly making an argument for being the best close the Giants have ever had. Brian Wilson was was excellent. Obviously, Rob Nen, phenomenal. Uh, we all loved Rod Beck. But what Duvall is doing, the, the calmness, the way that he is just dominating in almost every appearance... I, I don't know that that's happened before. Like Nen in his good years would be the closest analog there. But, you know, obviously we know Wilson made it dramatic all the time. And that sometimes came back to bite him. Uh, Beck didn't have the pure stuff, even, you know, relative to what the stuff was at in the league at the time. And just the way that Duvall can come in and shut down any lineup at any time. It's unbelievably impressive. I think the question is, have we, are we seeing his ceiling, seeing his peak right now? And if so, how long can he sustain that? That might be a question for someone who doesn't necessarily want to enjoy the moment. Because in the moment, <laughs> he leads baseball with 30 saves. And uh, I will say, you know, Alexis Diaz, who we talked about when we previewed this series, by wins above replacement, he's been a better uh, closer by value there. This, this season, and he's really tough. But uh, And Duvall getting two saves on the same day is not pitching in two games in the same day is not necessarily some ridiculous feat uh, on the way of being like a two-way player. It's just rare that it happens. And I would even say that everything, however he you might have thought he looked in the second game, Doug, was like, yeah, he should look like that. Right. He's doing two takeoffs and landings in a day, you know, and only about four hours apart. 
you know, he had a hundred mile an hour cutter in game one. I think he was throwing a hundred miles an hour, not with his cutter in game two. And now I imagine we're not going to see him for a few days. So I will say that, but it didn't seem like he was exerting any sort of weird effort. It wasn't, he didn't look like a guy who was like pitching back to back nights or pitching three games in a row or something. And last year we definitely did see that where they used him a little too much and he looked a little out of sorts. It's one of those things like as much as we joked about, don't make the catcher comps, uh, you know, Patrick Bailey to anybody. I, I think we have kind of, for whatever reason, as a group, Giants fans, not really gotten into the idea of like, well, where is Camilo Duvall putting himself on the list of Giants closers all time? And I think you're right. I, I think that's going to be hopefully that's something you write about on your Substack, Doug. That's a good idea because I don't have any other ones. <laughs> The biggest news of the week, uh, well, the Giants winning games and really upsetting the baseball orthodoxy, just it, it delights me to no end to kind of piggyback on the uh, discussion we had last week about or earlier this week about Shohei Otani uh, and trading for him. You can see all the the fake trade offers that the experts from ESPN, the athletic are offering around. I like that. It's always like, well, the Giants have got to step it up because as 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 good as their reputation is nowadays, turn around, their prospects are still garbage and they need Otani more than anything else. You know what I mean? Like there's that kind of business going around and people can't believe, again, Phillies fans, just incensed that the Giants are good at all because they hate Gab- Gabe Kapler so much. But I guess I'm saying all this in service of like, there actually was somehow, despite the Giants playing lights out, one loss since the All-Star break, uh, is Marco Luciano has been promoted from double A AA to triple A Doug. It's, it's the t- Tyler Rogers thing all over again. A giant is shoving me in a locker, shoving my words down my throat. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I made well, it about me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we all agree that you have it coming. Uh, you, you more than anyone know that you have this coming. Um, but no, I mean, Luci- Luciano has been, um, his, he's, he was good in Richmond though. His stats were an eye popping, but a lot of the more advanced stuff, like I know, Roger Munter had a note on Twitter that his his strikeout rate there wasn't anything was was a little bit below average, but his swinging strike rate was so good that um, that you could tell that the strikeout rate was kind of a fluke, uh, and so the Giants looked at process, and it's not like he was bad in Richmond. His batting average is a little low, but he was walking a lot and he was hitting for pretty good power again as a twenty one year old in Double A. And uh, the Giants thought that he, what he would done was impressive enough to get him promoted to AAA. So it's it's exciting that the team's going to have their top hitting prospect, you know, one step away from the majors. Obviously, the the rookies have all been a big part of the Giants' season, and he he might be another one this year, especially with uh, how rough it's been in the middle infield with guys just going down left and right. He got his first hit in AAA yesterday. It was a really he just legged out an infield hit, uh, a chopper. But uh, good for him already. First game up and he's getting his hit. The thing that stuck with me about what Roger said was I still see him as being a 35 home run shortstop. I, I mean, it's he was basically saying it's not improbable that that would happen or I would say implausible. Uh, it still might be improbable, but <laughs> but the the notion that oh yeah Luciano is going to have to move to the outfield or third base at, at best doesn't seem necessarily to be 
Rogers uh, thought, and I'm sure he's not alone. I don't think he's any sort of crank. He's actually watching the games. So when you read the fan graphs and the baseball America prospectus, you know, the, the national coverage, they are kind of getting either secondhand information or like they checked in maybe with less information. I, I would put a little more stock in Rogers judgment and only because I want the giants to have a five tool guy and maybe, Maybe he can be that. I'm just going to dream a little bit on Luciano. The kid's 21 years old. I'm allowed to do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's the whole point. You dream <laughs> on him. He's going to be Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, just in a different orange and black. When uh, when he turns 22 on 9-10-2023, the day before 9-11, that's when I'll stop hoping. I'll just wrap okay, it up. Right. So, <laughs> so be 22 like, year olds are old. Yep, that's old. All right, Doug, so then let's just predict this. This was something that Brady asked on McCovey Chronicles yesterday. Do you think Marco Luciano will get called up this year? It's hard to tell. That's a cop-out, I know, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but but I mean, so much of it depends on, on the health um, of the guys who are left on the roster. You know, once Tyro Estrada comes back, it's tough to see a spot for Luciano. So it'll have to be before then. But, you know, you'll have to see one more guy go down, but it'll have to be one more guy who goes down in a couple weeks once Luciano's gotten his feet wet enough at AAA for the team to really have confidence in him in the majors, assuming that all goes well. But, I mean, it is a possibility, at least. And, you know, hey, why, why not? You're the rookie. Let's do it. Let's just let's just call them all up. One other part that you didn't mention and is the trade deadline. We don't know what the roster is necessarily going to look like after the trade deadline. And I don't know. There's, uh, We were big supporters of David Villar in the offseason, right? And yeah. not saying like he's going to be a centerpiece of any deal or anything like that. Not not insinuating any of that. But is, is he long for this roster, uh, for the 40-man roster, is kind of where I think about with him. And... If he moves, there's a spot right away. You got second base, third base, shortstop right there. Casey Schmidt might be due for a, a, a demotion if he keeps struggling with the bat. Although his defense is great. I mean, maybe Luciano's defense, let's just assume, is not going to be that good. Um, I, I think there's room there even before Tyro Estrada and without an injury because of the trade deadline. So I want to say if in the next, like if he... I was going to say in the next two weeks, but then we're past the trade deadline. Uh, if the Giants trade J.D. Davis, which is kind of spoiling the next segment for me, like if something happens with the third base guys that's not injury related, then I think there, as long as he's not uh, puking all over himself in AAA, that we'll see him in like a month for sure. Maybe even less. Like if he has a hot two weeks, you know, right after the trade deadline, I could see him coming up very easily. It definitely seems like the Giants are trying to time this all out. We're like, maybe we can get a youth movement and maybe we can trade a veteran and some youth for an impact player. That might be what they're gearing up for. So I like your leaning maybe because that's the smart man's way to call <laughs> call it. But I'm just going to say yes. But I don't know when. Um, I think, And the other thing is the flip side of the trade de- deadline thing is that the one need that Farhan has said the team is trying to address pretty hard is the middle infield. Mm-hmm. So not to say they're going to trade Luciano for that, but that would be another player who's kind of blocking him 
getting in his way uh, because they, they're not confident that he's ready yet. Um, well, if they can't find the right deal. Yeah, I see what you're saying. If they find a guy who fits, then yeah, that blocks him for sure. Which that's a whole other discussion. And frankly, I don't have AC in my apartment, so I haven't been able to sit there and go, well, who else could they be pursuing? But that's definitely folks next week's going to be very much trade focused because that's what's coming up. That's going to be the big news. And maybe this will we'll talk about this in this next segment here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Doug, what's something you found interesting about the Giants this past week? Man, it's it's just fun to watch Logan Webb pitch. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's he's so good. You know, he's had a big, there's been a big difference in Webb's uh, home stats and road stats this year. And so he went out there in Cincinnati. He didn't get the win, but seven innings, uh, two earned runs, walked se- or struck out seven, walked nobody. Uh, fantastic. You know, no, no notes. I understand that he gave up a couple of pretty cheap homers, but at Cincinnati, that's going to happen. And overall, I mean, it was just such an impressive start. You, he's been so good uh, for a while now that any concerns that you might've had at the beginning season, you've forgotten that you had them. And you're like, that, that was someone else. I never doubted him. I'm talking to you listener i you know who you are we because you know ne- neither are. of us have had any concerns about him the whole year right exactly yeah <laughs> not us obviously yeah. that's yeah. why we have a podcast that's why they let us <laughs> brian what's something you found interesting about the giants this week well doug i'm glad you asked i i find it very interesting that the giants bullpen as kind of weird as it is when you get into the Jacob Junis, Shamanaya, Ross Stripling, Alex Wood of it all. It's still like the best bullpen in the National League. Not on the season. If you're just looking at wins above replacement, they're seventh. But I like to use the fancy since May 1st, since again, that is when shit turned around for them. <laughs> and since then, they are the best uh, bullpen in baseball. And I think that's something worth discussing because of I just named four guys who are somehow, you know, quasi starters, quasi relievers and are really concerning. Jacob Junis's slider the other night uh, betrayed him something fierce and just he's looked very hittable. Ross Stripling has looked very like the uh, he's very binary. It's like, oh, they, they missed that curveball. Oh, they didn't miss that pitch. Like, it's really just a switch off with Stripling. But the Giants bullpen since May 1st. Heading into uh, Wednesday, 26 and nine, 
with a 297 ERA, four wins above replacement as a bullpen, 297 innings pitched. Now, obviously, the bulk guys contribute to this innings total. That's the most uh, bullpen innings pitched of any team in baseball. They have the most saves of any team in baseball. Again, they, they have the most wins above replacement, so the most valuable by uh, by the accumulation of metrics their era team their bullpen era is the lowest doug the second best bullpen by just by era is cleveland at 335 so the giants bullpen is almost half a run better (laughs) than the next team it's like how you kind of just there's a part of you that's like i don't understand and then you just look at it and it's just uh it's just very interesting to me that they are able to continue doing their model, you know, modeling the path for who's going to appear when facing these batters. One thing that we talked about in the first month of the season is like, is the giants having to adjust their entire model to the new rules to facing every team this year? You know what I mean? Like there's these little subtleties in the game that changed this year. And we, in the coming out of the gate, it looked like, you an outsider looking in could say looking at the team could say oh do they need to update their their models to account for all this stuff and they because they didn't have any of, of the information they haven't been able to do that well if that's your argument look look what they've done they had a month of data they they revised their model and it looks like it's worked out pretty well you know uh taylor rogers wanted to try throwing a, a new pitch didn't work out and he just stuck with what works um, they're picking the right guys, the right spots, and they're getting peak performance from all their guys. Tyler Rogers doesn't look great all the time, but then he's still able to throw his rise ball, which I love. Did you see that on Twitter the other day, Doug? Yeah, I did. <laughs> he does throw a rise ball. He does throw a video game pitch. So congratulations <laughs> to Tyler Rogers. Uh, I know it's not Taylor Rogers. We're talking about both of them. But effectively, what I find interesting, uh, effectively, the bullpen is the giant strength. And that has been the case since the beginning of May. So just find it very interesting. How did they do that? <laughs> yeah, and that's also what coincides with the Giants being good again. The Giants had a really bad month of April. Um, but once they got the bullpen turned around, then that they started throwing them more, which was kind of weird. You know, usually the more you throw a bullpen, the worse they get. But um, the Giants figured it out. You know, a lot of with their, their very like careful managing of, the guys who go multiple innings like, you know, Junis and Beck and Keaton Wynn and everyone. Um, but they've been probably the biggest part of the Giants turnaround this year. And they've been really impressive. Yeah. I guess the sub question to that is, do you think, because by, you know, your own question there is Camilo Duvall, the best closer the Giants have ever had, you know, arguably, is that the reason why they've been so good? Maybe, you know what I mean? Like you have like a sub portion of your argument now. And, you know, Camilo Duvall might be the best closer the San Francisco Giants have ever had. And he's the reason why they have the best bullpen in baseball, which that is a very quaint thing that that gets said a lot, you know, in, in our lifetimes. Oh, they, they've got the best uh, bullpen in baseball because they've got Craig Kimbrell closing it out or they've got Rob Nen closing it out or um, they've got Dennis Eckersley closing it out. So that's why they have the best bullpen in baseball, right? You give that guy the ball at the end and that's your stopper right there. Well, yes, the Giants have that, but they also have several other guys who on maybe weaker teams would be closers. 
You know what I mean? Like, remember when the Giants had Tim Worrell in like the seventh or eighth inning? And then they're like, what if he just was the closer? We'll save some money. <laughs> It'll be all right. And uh, no, hey, then, that, that didn't go that, that badly. It didn't, it didn't so go that badly. It was Matt Urgis. <laughs> right. And that did go badly. <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like the Giants in the old days were like, well, let's just move everyone up a spot. You know what I mean? And now this one's yeah. like, let's add guys at, from the bottom and meet in the middle somewhere where there's, where there's some quality all the way through. Um, Doug, anything else you found interesting? The, I mean, okay. I'll just, we haven't talked to, we've barely talked about him. We're talking about a little bit. Wilmer Flores. He's yes. been great. Um, yeah. He's been like the be- one of the best hitters in baseball since the beginning of the month, which good because he's just about the only one performing at a star level on the offense for the giants. Like Conforto over, over this month has been decent. Um, like he's he been nice. Been he's been nice coming out yeah. of the break. Yeah. Um, but I mean, overall for the month, Wilmer Flores, by far the best. Austin Slater has been good. Blake Sable has been good though. With that a little, a little bit worrying strikeout rate. Nobody else has been. Luis Matos has had a, a high batting average, though not a lot of secondary skills. He's had some really nice swings. Yeah. I, I'm not going to put Luis Matos in the uh, interesting camp here, but just since you mentioned him, you know, you the bat speed, uh, drool worthy in a couple of cases yeah. in the Red Series. I'm like, oh, look at him get to that pitch. Um, he couldn't do anything with it. Doug, uh, my computer is totally borking right now. Can you go look at Wilmer Flores since June 1st? He's been he's been good since June 1st because I just yeah. So I saw, I've seen that. Let's uh, stall. Yes, he has been. Uh, since June 1st, Wilmer Flores has hit 397, 459, 699 over 85 plate appearances. Uh, he has a, a 10.5% walk rate and an 8.2% strikeout rate. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's 300 points of isolated power, by the oh way. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Goodness. Um, yeah, so he's he's absolutely destroyed the ball. Over the last month and a half. I think they forgot about Wilmer. I, the other I kind teams. of did. No, yeah. the other teams. <laughs> so yeah. he's like, I also like his very vague notion of util- defensive versatility. But he's he's looked great. solid out there at first base. He's played second base. Has he played it this year? He's played third base a little bit this year. But... Uh, you know, he's made himself very useful and uh, congratulations, Wilmer Flores. That's a good one. I really like that. Yeah. Anything else you find interesting? Nope. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
Okay. Brian, what's something you found concerning this week? Doug, I'm deeply concerned about my ability to communicate effectively as someone who writes and talks about the San Francisco Giants. We are thankful for people giving ratings and sending us questions. You know, we ask at the end of every episode, give us five stars on Apple or on Spotify right there in the app. And uh, we recently got a, a new rating on our Apple page. Thank you. But also a comment, which I feel merits a response from WWE champs. Say no. Uh, says, get your facts right. Well, should, should I give it a voice? Yeah. No, don't do the voice. Get your facts right. That's the headline. How are you going to say Lamont Wade has been spectacular on defense when he rates below average and doesn't even pass the eye test? Follows it up with Conforto has had a good year. Like what? He's been a terrible signing and also rates negatively in the field. Say Jock has no extra base hits, but Conforto has like two more. LOL. Do better. All right, I'll work backwards from this. I left all my notes in the other room, so this is just off the top of my head, and hopefully my desire to engage uh, with a comment, doing better, uh, will just guide me through here. Just on the note of the extra base hits in the first half, Michael Conforto had 22, 21 extra base hits, and Jock Peterson had 15. That's literally more. He had, he had, a, they had 7% extra base hit rate, did Conforto to Jock Peterson 7.4%. Uh, I said Michael Conforto had missed two years. Doug, I believe you corrected me. He missed all of last season. He had a 105 Michael Conforto, 105 weighted runs created plus uh, af- after the first half, which is one of only like 76 players in the National League who actually had a weighted runs created plus of league average or better. He was just slightly tick below Xander Bogarts, this massive free agent signing, right? Are the Giants paying him a lot of money? Sure. But I was definitely making the point that Michael Conforto might be expected, is doing pretty well for a guy who didn't play. He's doing well for a guy who didn't play last year. And here we say see him doing very well coming out of the All-Star break. I don't know if that's fair or not, Doug, but that's where I was coming from on that point. But that was all tied to my main uh, point that Jack Peterson needs to hit more home runs. Right. I mean, just looking at this month's stat stats, Michael Conforto um, through Tuesday's games, because we record this before those stats update. Uh, in July, Michael Conforto had a has a one 100 W weighted runs created plus. So right at league average. Not not, you know, great, but fine. You know, sometimes you have months where you're fine. Sometimes you get better. Uh, Jock Peterson through Tuesday's game has a weighted runs created plus of 38 <laughs> in July. So yes, Michael Conforto has been non-trivially better than Peterson in the month of July. We were only pointing out that Conforto has more of what the Giants signed Jock, Jock Peterson to get. The Giants signed Jock Peterson to have a bunch of extra base hits mainly home runs, but more extra base hits. And instead, the the guy who's who missed a year, who plays the field, and you would think they were like their expectations, the range of expectations for Conforto from the Giants' perspective is different than they were for Peterson. I was merely pointing out, and by the way, I caveated both ends of the statement. If you go back and listen to the episode saying like, I am crazy for saying this because Jock Peterson has a 120, he's 21% better than league average. As I'm saying this, I'm just pointing out he has 
not that many extra base hits or many home runs for a guy who was signed specifically to do that. Whereas you would think Michael Conforto and Mitch Haniger are peas in a pod and they're going to struggle and do whatever. And somehow Michael Conforto has more home runs than Jock Peterson. That's not what we expected. That was the main point I shouldn't make with that. Let's talk about, oh, one more thing about Conforto. Minus six outs above average in the outfield. Not good. We'll grant you that. Same number of outs above average as Juan Soto and uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. in the outfield. Now, if Michael Conforto could hit like either of them, we'd all take that, right? But I'm just saying, like, what are we what are we talking about here? Michael Conforto is a quality offensive player right now for the Giants, uh, above average, not much above average, but above average. Uh, he's he's again coming back from missing a full calendar year, and he's on a hot streak right now, which is nice. And that's kind of what uh, the Giants were expecting from him. I think he's lived up to his expectations. Lamont Wade Jr., the idea that his defense is somehow uh, average or stellar, I think I was just making the point that he's been fine there, and he was average. Again, I left my notes in there. I transcribed my whole statement, but go back and listen. I was not raving about his defense. He's been fine there. He has a zero outs above average at first base, minus one in the outfield. I think uh, Fangraph's defensive runs has has him close to like closer to like minus six. I wasn't trying to make the case that Lamont Wade Jr. is a Gold Glover. I don't believe I've ever said that, but he's been fine there and is a quality first baseman. Doesn't pass the eye test. I kind of think that's subjective. I will say this: Wilmer Flores looks better at first base than Lamont Wade Jr. So, if you if you need me to make some sort of admission, there we go. <laughs> I would also so a couple things. Um, so Fangraphs's defensive rankings at first base alone have Lamont Wade Jr. at minus four runs um, and also exactly zero outs above average, runs above average. So he is ahead of Pete Alonso and Ty France. They're eighth and ninth. That's basically because of playing time. He has about 200, 150, 200 fewer innings there than them. Um, but he has about the same number as Yandy Diaz who uh, and his, his numbers are better. So he's a... He is basically in that very middle category. He's fine. By the eye test, I think he had looked pretty good the first couple months of the year. He's looked worse lately, I think, because he's been playing hurt for for pretty much the whole month. Um, You saw him go down on Tuesday, get pulled from the game. Uh, They call it a hamstring problem. Uh, I assume they're telling the truth. But he he pretty clearly hasn't been looking right for a little while now, and that's going to affect you defensively quite a bit. So I think that he has been a, he had been a good defender for first base. Remember all first basemen will have negative defensive values on fan graphs because there is a massive positional adjustment. Um, that's why Brandon belt was always a negative defender. Uh, but I, I think he's done a good job. I think I'm, I've thought he did better overall in the year than Brian is than Brian thought. Like I thought he was good for the first few months. Um, and then once he, he started having some some issues in his lower body, he's certainly been more limited over there. Uh, but he's also been better than you could expect, I think. he He's a converted outfielder. Um, he's, he's athletic. Like, he's not a lifelong first baseman. I think he's done a good job uh, considering everything he's dealt with. And I will stand by that. <laughs> so give us a third star, please, on our rating. <laughs> Well, it's also for me a good lesson not to mention other players when I'm rattling off a list of demands of one player. So, <laughs> yeah, to try not to compare them. 
Uh, Doug, is there anything that concerned you about the Giants this past week? I don't know if it counts as a concern, but the Giants, you know, they had that. There's that nice winning streak, right? I'm not sure how. (laughs) (laughs) They have one guy who's hitting really well. A couple other guys who are hitting pretty well, but nothing special. The, you know, Logan Webb had a really good start. Their pitching was, has had some rough games. So I, I'm not sure where these wins are coming from. Um, it's it's I the guess bullpen. the bullpen is carrying yeah. them, but yeah, but it's I, the bullpen. Man, I, you look at what that whole team is doing, like as a whole. I I don't I don't know how, how they could do it. Well, well done to Gabe Kapler and Farhan for putting that together. I agree, and that's why I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with the trade deadline because it is sort of like where do you add the player and what do you give up like what's the magnitude of help you're going to get this doesn't feel like a year that makes sense to get carlos beltran this feels like the john vanderwall can you sneakily get a guy that you can make into jason schmidt type of situation (laughs) you know what i mean like it feels like one of those years as opposed to the go big or go home years um and i know it's insane to say oh yeah just go trade for jason schmidt but at the time nobody knew that he could (laughs) the giants the giants had this one weird trick to make jason schmidt a young contender (laughs) and uh and i think that that's maybe what we should hope for maybe what am I trying to say? Like, I just don't think they're going to like load it up for Chris Bryant type for a Chris Bryant type. I could be wrong. About I mean, that. there isn't really a Chris. I think there isn't a Chris Bryant type out there who will come at the cost that Chris Bryant did. So what Bryant cost them was um, one prospect who's uh, who is going to have to be added to the 40 man when the giants didn't have room. And then a pitching prospect who was overperforming his talent level. So that was Alexander Canario and Caleb Killian. And Killian has, hasn't been very impressive. Uh, Canario hasn't made the majors. So those are guys who are, it's not that they're bad players, but they're not, they're not like those star prospects in your system. And it's hard to see the Chris Bryant type who will take something like that. I mean, if it does end up being Cody Bellinger for a similar deal, you know, you have to think about that. Uh, But there aren't that many of those guys out there, I think. Right. And then if it is a deal with the Cubs again, let's say Cody Bellinger kind of makes the most sense, but then no, it, he doesn't make the most sense. I think it's between he and Stroman. If you were to get both yeah. of them, the, the, the deal is suddenly huge. If you got two of them, the Cubs are, you know, it's better for them to split, you know, to do separate deals for their players and get the most maximize the talent that way. And then it's a matter of, as a fan, do you want to see Cody Bellinger in a Giants uniform, maybe hitting a few home runs in a McCovey Cove um, and making some nice plays on defense? Or do you want to see Marcus Stroman stabilize the rotation? Do you think he can stabilize the rotation? Many questions involving that. Doug, I find J.D. Davis's season very concerning suddenly. Yes. Yeah, it's not going well right now. Since June 1st, 248, 321, 360, 681. Good question to ask. When J.D. Davis was sleeping, 
on the road, did Wilmer Flores steal his breath? <laughs> Is that what happened oh. here? Because I just, I brought up the same June 1st stats <laughs> that you did with Wilmer. And it's like, wait a minute, that should be flipped. That sounds like the other guy. Uh, is it a Freaky Friday situation? Did they both piss in the same fountain during a lightning storm? Like, what happens? <laughs> uh, but- I, I just imagine, I just imagine Wilmer leaning down while while JD Davis was was asleep and saying, "I was there for you. Now you'll be there for me." <laughs> Doug, that's terrible. That's the second time you've made this podcast. <laughs> That's the second worst thing I've said on this podcast today. <laughs> the the Wilmer Scortex. <laughs> uh, all combined. Okay. The fl- yeah. Flor- Flortex? Yes. So J.D. Davis could have been uh, just doubles or just dingers Davis. Hey, Brian, I have just doubts about him right now. <laughs> Third worst thing. <laughs> Oh, it's it hasn't looked good, I would say. And and the softness of his defense, because that was not his strength. But I, I would say that the the wow, he's really good on defense has faded a little bit. I can't pull up Fangrass right now. My computer's acting buggy, but he's not you know, he's not an embarrassment out there. It's not like he's regressed so negatively that it's just he's unplayable out there. But now his bat is not picking up any of the slack. He's been a huge um disappointment there he still is working decent counts but i think his strikeout rate is shot through the roof and when he is making contact it's a lot of hard grounders i don't know what's going on there it seems like a big question between tyro estrada being out you know basically on the infield what you said doug where is this, where are these wins coming from you know it's like you can look at second short and third right now and and wonder what's happening like what the hell's going on? Is it really Patrick Bailey and um, and Wilmer Flores and and some good bullpenning and that's really it? Uh, and some timely, I guess, Michael Conforto hits and that's what it feels like right now. And I was hoping. I, I mean, every baseball player goes through slumps, like cold streaks, or whatever. And it doesn't look like JD Davis is going to be coming out of his anytime soon. So I'm very concerned about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's worrying. Well, that was fun. Uh, the Giants are going to continue their 11 game road trip for city road trip with three in Washington against the nationals. And then they'll play a morning game on the West coast in Detroit morning, uh, morning game, our time in Detroit to finish up the, the series that got rained out there. The nationals and tigers are demonstrably worse than when the giants faced them last time. Remember when the Giants faced the Nationals in in San Francisco and the and the Nationals just kind of kind of boat raced them a little bit? Um, not the case anymore. The the Nationals are in a free fall. They are a rebuilding team. They haven't been that good in a couple of months. The Tigers also were playing pretty sharp uh, when the Giants faced them when they were being terrible. But uh, it doesn't look like. Man, I forgot his name already. Scott Harris doesn't look like Scott Harris has fixed it in just in just one season. But uh, I will say, in July they're they're five hundred. They buoyed themselves a little bit. In June they were nine and eighteen though, and I think the Nationals had a similar record. Uh, the Nationals, again, this, these are both series. If you want to count the Tigers' uh, game as a series, that the Giants should win or should have a very good chance of winning. 
Doug, when we started talking about this road trip, we were like six and five. That'd be that'd be pretty solid. Now you kind of feel yeah. like, can they get a little greedy here? If it still winds, if they still wind up the trip six and five, I think we'll be fine with it. But now you're kind of like, well, seven and four seems very plausible. Why not go for that? So, I mean, yeah, I, th- I mean, at this point, six and five would be a pretty huge disappointment. Um, they've they looked so good over the first, you know, several games that you'll you'll have you'll you'll look at it overall as a road trip and be like, it's a success. But those last four or five games, you'll say, well, they could have they could have done better there. They could have gotten more wins against teams that are that are beatable. Um, so yeah, you you want them to do better now. I mean, now you're looking at seven or eight wins, so you feel good at the end of it because otherwise it'll just be kind of a disappointment. If well, they should have played better against the Nationals. I think if they go eight and three, let's just say let's just hold out that thought for a minute. Then you're. I think uh, all the fans wanting Otani or clamoring for a big move, I think that's justified. I don't know yeah. if it can happen, but it's like, yeah, if they go eight and three on this really tough road trip at this juncture in the season, given their needs, which right now aren't hurting them, and it, like to the point where it doesn't hurt them that they go eight and three on this road trip, um, yeah, I think you would want to be like, can we get. God, but who's available? That's the question outside of Otani that you would really want. You know what I mean? To give up someone to get him. You know what we can do, Brian? We can talk about that on the next Giants Croncast. Doug, you're absolutely right. Until then, where can people find your work? Uh, You can find me at GiantsDoug.substack.com where I write every Tuesday and Thursday about the Giants or about baseball in general. And I'm at McCoveyChronicles.com. You can join... uh, the people who post uh, comments on the Apple podcast page, give us five stars if you're so inclined. And if you have a question, we'll answer it. You can uh, add us the question directly at Giants Croncast on Twitter. And don't forget, we're a part of Fans First Sports Network at Fans First SN. We'll be back Monday with an all new episode. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants.